steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer every person. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. We've been talking, really, I guess, since the beginning of the year, at least the second Sunday when we had service, about what it means to live this new life. To be who God has called us to be. To become who God has made us. Okay, We've talked about the fact that as Christians, as people have placed their faith in Christ, God has buried our old self and has resurrected us into a new life. And now Paul is challenging us Become that individual. Be that individual. And really in chapter 3 and now here into chapter 4, he has given us advice, suggestions, commands on what that means to be this new individual. Again in verse 1 of Colossians chapter 3, we seek those things that are above. We set our mind on things that are above. In verse 5, we put to death things in our life that hinder us, that trip us up, that uh, uh, cause us to walk away from Christ, cause us to stumble. Verse 12, we, we put on these new characteristics such as love and humility and patience. We forgive each other. We bear with each other. We realize that God has called us as believers into one body. And so we practice these characteristics with each other. And then as we saw last week there, in verse 18, that these Relationships or, or these characteristics should even be seen in the context of our closest, most personal of relationships. We don't follow the mindset and the ways of the world. Rather, we choose to live in the designs and the order that God has called us to live in. Alright, and we learn to practice these characteristics not just with people that we don't or live with, or aren't related to, but even in our closest of relationships. But as always, the question is, how do we do this? How do we put on this new self? How do we live this new way? And we've seen from chapter 3 some suggestions. Verse 16, I'll remind you, he says these words, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How do we do this? We do this by getting the Word of Christ into our life, by reminding ourselves of the good news of the Gospel, by, by spending time in the Word of God on a daily basis, by coming together and hearing the Word of God taught to each other, whether in Bible study or in, in, in Sunday service and the sermon and whatever else, we, we hear the Word of God being taught and it gets into our life. 
We do this also by singing. Singing the psalms, singing hymns, singing spiritual songs, reminding ourselves through the words that we sing, even on a weekly basis here in worship, these, these songs are turning our hearts to Christ. Do this again by verse 17, whatever you do. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. We live our life for the glory of God. We realize even in our day-to-day activities, we can glorify God. Maybe you have plans for this evening. You realize that even in the middle of watching a football game, you can bring glory to God. Paul said if, if you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Father. Giving thanks to Him. Maybe you're going to be a friends or family members or whatever else. You can live a God-honoring, glorifying life. Maybe it's something as simple as not eating every piece of cake that's out there. Something probably I know I struggle with. <laughs> whatever. Maybe it's something as simple as giving a good word, encouraging someone, even as you're sitting there. Maybe if, you know, you're cheering for one particular team because you grew up in that city and they don't win the game, you don't throw a rock through the TV or throw it out the window, all right? That's, that's, especially when you realize you probably don't need to buy a new one, all right? Whatever it is, we, we give glory to God. In, in our work, we give glory. We do our job right. We do it honestly. We do it professionally. We, we show up on time. We, we work hard. We don't. Cheat and cut corners. We live, we work, bringing glory to God. But then here in chapter 4, verse 2, we are given another suggestion. How we can live this life. Look again at these words in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. The simple truth is we cannot be effective in our relationship with God if we are not in a place of continual, perpetual prayer. The idea of continuing steadfastly means to become strong, to go strong in prayer, to be watchful, to be alert, to be on guard, to, to constantly be watching. We have to be people of prayer if we are going to live this life. I've shared that illustration before and it's kind of silly, but, but you know, someone's praying and they're saying, Lord, I, I just want to thank you that, that I've made it so far this day. I haven't cursed. I haven't uh, gotten mad at anybody. I haven't, I haven't done anything wrong. I haven't told a single lie, but of course, as they're praying, they're saying, I'm about to get out of bed and things are going to get a lot worse. Isn't that the case with a lot of us? We, we find ourselves struggling. How do we do this? We, we do it through persevering, constant, steadfast prayer. Not that we're on our knees all the time. Not that we're walking around. But, but maybe it's just, I have a meeting this morning at 10 o'clock. And, and before I walk into that conference room, I'm going to stop for just a moment and say, Lord, help me to do the right thing, to say the right thing. Daily, constantly asking for the help of the Lord to make our lives all that we can be for Him. Paul says, continue steadfastly watching. 
Watching and prayer. And again, I'll point out as I did. Last couple of weeks, Paul says, be thankful. Be thankful. There's one thing we need to undergird our prayers with. It is an attitude of thanksgiving. Each and every prayer that we utter should start out with a thankfulness to God. Lord, I am thankful. Grateful for what you have given me. So we've talked about, again, living with ourselves, living with each other as a church, living with our family. There's another group of people that we are called to live the new life in front of. And that group are those who are outside the faith. Those who have not made a profession, those who are wavering in their profession. We are called to take this new life and to live it in front of them as well. Just as the obligation to live a new life doesn't end with our brothers and sisters in the church, just as it extends to our family, guess what? In the same manner, this new life doesn't just end with our family. It extends to individuals that we come into contact with outside of the church. And the reason is simple. They are outside of the church. They need the hope of the gospel. They need to know that Christ can make a difference in their lives just as He has made the difference in our lives. They need what we have. And this means we need to live this new life even in the presence of outsiders. So how do we live this new life in front of them? I think we see three suggestions here in verses 3 through 6. First of all, we should pray for them. We should live the new life in front of them. and We should speak graciously towards them. Let's take them one at a time if you would. First of all, we should pray. We should pray for those outside the faith. The apostle makes the case that we should be in prayer for ourselves, for our lives. That God would help us to live this new life. And then we see in verse 3 that Paul request prayer for himself. Paul asked the church of Colossia, would you pray for me? And look at the reason why he requests prayer. Again, in verse 3, and at the same time, pray also for us. God may open us to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Paul is requesting that the church of Colossia pray for him that he might have an open door to share this word, this gospel, the mystery of Christ, he calls it. He's, he used those words in, in chapter 1, verse 27. If you'll recall, when he said these words to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
What is this mystery that Christ is talking about or that Paul is talking about that he wants to declare? It's the mystery of Christ inside of us. The fact that God himself would come and live inside of us, that Christ would take residence in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the message. This is the hope. This is what the world needs to hear. And Paul says, would you pray for me that God would give me an open door? I guess he could be talking about the fact that he's in prison. Notice there that he talks about that in verse 3. On account of this mystery, I'm in prison. Maybe, Maybe he just wants the prison doors to open, but maybe he means it, and probably he means it in the same way that you and I do. Pray for open doors of opportunity in our lives. So it is. Would you pray, Church of Colossia, that God would give me an open door that I can share the gospel? More importantly, I want to make it clear. I want to make it manifest. I want to reveal this mystery. I want to make it as clear as I can to everyone who hears so that they have no doubt of what we are saying. I guess if I could, I'll be selfish for a minute here. And I will ask you as a church that you would pray for me. That you will pray that God would help me to share the Word clearly. That God would open doors. You know what what good it does for us when we take time on Sunday morning to, to just pray that God would move and work in our lives. That we would hear from Him through His Word. So many people will walk away and they say, I didn't get anything out of that church. I, you know, whatever. And, and you want to ask the question, have you, have you taken time to just pray that God would speak to you? But again, I, I covet your prayer that God would, would speak through any open door that is presented to me, that God would provide opportunities, whether people come here to church or maybe out in the community, that God would give me doors so that I can proclaim the Word of God. Would you pray that I would have clarity each and every Sunday, that I would make sense, that you wouldn't walk away on Sunday saying, what in the world was he just saying? What in the world was he just, I just, I have no clue, 45 minutes, I have no idea what he just said. That there would be clarity. Everyone that walks in here would know clearly what the good news of the gospel is. Would you pray that I would be willing to pay the price? Paul's in prison. You don't have to pray that I will go to prison, that they'll keep me, all right? Don't, don't do that. So we're like, yeah, I'll be glad to pray for you. Wow. Come and take him, Northampton County. He's yours. Would I be willing to pay the price? But it's not just for me, because I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm praying this prayer for you. I'm praying this for you. I'm praying that God would open doors for you, that God would give you opportunities to share the Word of Christ. And when you get those opportunities, that God, the Holy Spirit, would give you divine clarity to make true and real the good news of the Gospel. 
You know, toward the end of last year, I felt like the Lord laid something on my heart and I shared it with our church board and felt like now would be a good time to share with you guys. You know, we can as a church double in size overnight. It would take one little step, one little thing that all of us would have to do. See, all of us would simply have to invite one person to come to church with us. And all of a sudden, those one become two. Guess what? We have double the size of our church overnight. I thought about this because I I remember and I was thinking about these words from John chapter 1. Jesus is just starting out in, in His ministry. John the Baptist hears Jesus and he looks at Him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Verse 40 of chapter 1. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon. He said to him, we have found the Messiah. And look at what happens in verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is Peter. All right, we went from Andrew as one, and now we got Peter who's two. Look what happens. On the next day, Peter, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, verse 43. He found Philip and he said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and he said to them, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Daniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? No offense to all of you who have a Nazareth address here this morning. All right? <laughs> That's not what they're talking about. Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus found two guys who doubled their number to four guys. What if we all just agreed that this year we will ask someone, we will invite someone to church. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They're they're not all going to come. But what if one of them comes that has a family my size? Family of five, guess what? Out of 50, 60 people, 60 here this morning, that's that's almost 10%. It's almost 10%. If I'm doing math right, yes, I didn't always pay attention in math class. You kids do. Yes, I'm sorry, Diane, a former math teacher. The reality is, it is something as simple, as simple as that. Now, let me just give you some ground rules here, okay? Don't ask someone who's part of a healthy Bible-preaching church. I mean, unless that church is in Anchorage, Alaska, and they're leaving like 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon to go to get there Sunday at 10. But you know, there was a massive survey and even a book that came out last year talking about it. How many people have simply decided over the last few years in our country not to switch churches, not to change churches, but to simply stay home from church? There are so many that they're not going to the Baptist church down the road and they're a good church and God is working in them and I know the pastor and whatever else. It's, it's, they're, they're not going 
anywhere. Now, if they go to a church that doesn't preach the gospel, by all means, invite them to come. But again, what what would happen if we would all simply take that opportunity? And so I tell you, I've been making this a prayer, not every day, but trying to. Lord, would you help me to invite just one? Who, who is it that you want to speak to through me? Who is it? But it begins with, with prayer. Paul says, pray for me. Pray that God would give me an opportunity that I may share the good news. So we pray for outsiders. And secondly, secondly, we should walk wisely. We should walk wisely with those who are outside the faith. Pray that God will open the door to us. Then we walk wisely. Look at verse 5 again. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Walk in wisdom to those who don't know Christ. Walk in a way that you understand how this new person that you are putting on interacts with those who are not of the faith. Wisdom will enable us to determine just how in given situations our new way of thinking, our new set of biblical values should be put into effect. You see, it not only matters that we pray for individuals, it also matters that we live a good life in front of them. Your life matters. How you live matters. How you conduct your affairs among those who are not of the faith matters. This doesn't mean that we live some kind of standoff life. We don't talk to them. We don't interact with them. We don't, don't ex- talk to anyone. You know, we get on the other side of the road. Well, you're an unbeliever. I can't touch you or get around you. No. It means that we live this good life in front of them. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they can see your good deeds and they can glorify God on the day of visitation. Does no good for us to invite people to church and to act like hypocrites among them. You know, you are the stupidest, most worthless employee I've ever hired. I'm not sure why I ever gave you the job. Hey, will you come to church with me? You really think that, is that going to go for good? Of course it isn't. Come to church. I mean, God can help restore your marriage. Oh, it's quitting time. I got to go home to my old ball and chain. And I did not say that talking about my wife. I love her. And I am in big trouble. eh? (laughs) How, how do we expect them to come to a church, to a God? who we say can do these things if we ourselves do not show example of life being changed. How can we say it is the kindness of God that leads you to repentance when there is not an ounce of kindness in our life? Paul says walk wisely among outsiders. Walk in wisdom. 
making the best use of your time, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time, if you would. People who are concerned with productivity or think that we should use this verse to, to spend every free moment doing something profitable, working on something, maybe reading our Bible or praying or whatever. And we, we, we read this verse in Ephesians and we say, look, you're wasting your time if you're watching a football game tonight, even though, like I said, it's not necessarily the case. But in reality, this idea of making the most of every opportunity, of, of making the best use of the time, should be seen in conjunction with walking in wisdom. I live in a manner that points to Christ. And when I get the chance, I open my mouth and I tell them about Jesus. Does this mean that I always have a chance to give a five-point sermon? No. Does it mean that I can simply look at them and say, you know, I'm praying for you. Praying for you. Does it mean that, that God wants you to, to start in Matthew and work your way all the way through the New Testament when you're in the checkout line at Giant? No. Especially if I'm behind you. <laughs> all right? And I got ice cream that's got to get home. But yes, if God is leading you that way, trust me, I'll put the ice cream back and come and join you and pray. Does it mean you can tell that lady Jesus loves you? And God bless you. Have a great day. Sometimes it's simply that, and we, we, we get so worried, you know, oh man, I gotta, I gotta explain this, and I gotta talk about this, and whatever else, and, and yesterday at our men's breakfast, we were talking about the Bible, and how some people say there's discrepancies in the Bible, and someone, I won't mention name, Andrews, but he, he pointed out something, and, and I thought, man, that's, that's something I haven't thought about or considered, and now I gotta spend time and look it up, and, Think, oh man, I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't explain how where the dinosaurs went and how the, how the world is only 6,000 years old instead of 60 billion. And we need to know those answers if they come up. Sometimes it's simply saying, come, come to church. Let me pray for you. Let me, let me ask God to move and work in your situation. Yes, God will give you clarity as you are obedient to them. But again, again, don't be stealing millions of dollars from your company. And then tell them, don't worry about it. I'm giving it to the church, all right? I mean, we're, we're glad to take your millions of dollars, but come by it honestly, okay? <laughs> come by it truthfully. Don't be sitting there telling so-and-so what an dumb person they are and then turn around and say come 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 and see Jesus live this life in front of them we pray we give we live good lives we take advantage of the opportunities and finally finally we speak graciously I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself already we should speak graciously Pray, we live, and then we speak. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person.
Let your words be full of grace. Let them be full of life. Let them reflect the grace of God in your words. Let them be seasoned with salt in a way that provides flavor to an otherwise bland taste, a way that gets an individual thinking, I want what they have. Paul says, let your speech be gracious towards him. How are you doing with your words? How are you, how are you doing with the awesome gossip, the neighborhood gossip? Run around telling your neighbors what a rotten person that person is across the street from you. Are you trying to live a way that reflects the goodness of God? How are, how are you doing with being gracious? Gracious with those who you know do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. What if? Next time we get into a political discussion at work, we don't sit there and run around and curse the candidate we're opposed to and talk about how bad they are and whatever else. What if we told the person we're talking with, yeah, I know things aren't the way they should be, but we serve a God who is in control of this universe, is working things out, who is, who is not not caught by surprise over anything that's going on in our country, that's going on in our state, that's going on in our local communities. We serve a God who rules and reigns over all. What if instead of, of, of talking about, you know, someone who is, who is an outsider and thinking about how bad they are, if we realize, yes, I know that person's living a lifestyle that, that I would not want them to live, and I know it's dishonoring to God, but still they are someone who is created in the image of God, and I'm praying that God would change and get a hold of their lives. We could go on and on when it comes to our speech or words that we use, but the simple truth is our words matter. We need to share the love of Christ and how we speak to each other. And again, Peter talks about that the same way in your, in your hearts, First Peter 3.15, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope as in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. There's a classic text for apologists, for those who defend the faith, for those who debate the existence of God and they use philosophy and reason and physics and all this stuff that, again, makes us kind of terrified, thinking how in the world can I explain whether the earth was created 6,000 years ago or 6 billion years ago? If you're in a serious discussion over these things, probably should get to know the answer. Come and let's talk about it and I'll try to find an answer or whatever. But again, there's a lot of people in our lives that really aren't trying to figure out whether or not God created everything out of nothing. They just want to know is there a reason to get up and go on another day? Talking to my mom yesterday and she was telling me about a family member's 
fiance, she is younger lady, mid to late 20s or whatever, fiance is 34 years old. Died this past Monday drinking himself to death. Alcohol poisoning so bad that the hospital could not rescue him despite all the blood they were pumping into. 34 years old. Where's the hope? Where's the hope? Was there someone in their life? And I know my mom and dad, especially my dad, he talks to anybody and everybody, (laughs) probably tried to give him a little hope. Most people just want to know that there's a reason to get up and go on. They're hurting. They need the hope that is there. And we have the answer. But again, if people were to look at your life, were they to say, I want that answer that they have? They listen to your words and they say, I want what so-and-so is speaking about. If our speech is harsh, if our life doesn't reflect the love of Christ, if we are so wrapped up in ourselves that we never take time to pray for those in need, the result will be opportunities passing us by without pointing someone to Jesus. You see, when you look at the church started there in Pentecost, They were a small, fledgling community. We think we have problems in our country. Really need to study the Roman Empire and some of the things that were going on back then. Do you know what the Christians of that time did? They loved each other. They rescued babies that were being left to die. Ministered to those who are sick in times of plague, in times of distress. And it took two to three hundred years, but eventually Constantinople, Emperor of Rome, Constantine, I should say, the city's Constantinople. <laughs> Emperor Constantine declared Christianity the official religion of Rome. It took years. But they kept living the life. What does God want to do through us, through the church in America, through the church, right here in the corner of Lehigh Mechanic, if we would live a life that reflects the goodness and glory of God? Does God want you to pack everything up and head to the other side of the world? Maybe He does. Maybe God wants you just to go to the office or the warehouse tomorrow. Tell someone Jesus loves you. And then maybe maybe God wants you to sit down with the family. And hopefully they're cheering for the right team tonight. <laughs> I have to speak to a certain teacher at Faith Christian School there tomorrow. Maybe. I was cheering for the wrong team on Friday when I was there. Maybe maybe. God just wants you to share with them in in a commercial, you know, say, hey, you know, God loves you. There's hope. Something more than having an iPhone 28 or whatever we're up to now. 
something more than having a brand new car, even though, again, if you want to give me one, I'll take it for sure. There's hope. There's hope. There, there's something better to pursue than just a trophy on a game. There's something greater. What if God wants to give that to us? Our speech is harsh. If our life doesn't reflect the love of Christ, the result will be opportunities to pass us by without pointing someone to Jesus. And I want to take advantage of every, every opportunity. Everyone points out if you would have invested in Microsoft or Apple whenever they started up, how many billions of dollars you have. All these teams are thinking if we would have drafted this player to be on our team, think about how great we would be. What I want is to stand before God and have Him say, I gave you a chance and you took advantage. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Fact is, we all fail. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. I'm so glad even in our weakness and in our hurting, the mercy of God reaches over us. Perhaps you're here and you haven't taken that advantage to know Christ. I want to give it to you today. The mercy of God is reaching towards you. The mercy of God is calling you to come back to Him. To come and find Him. You're not here by accident. You're not here because you had nothing else to do. You are here because God is speaking to your life. He's telling you to make things right with Him. If that is you right where you are, do that today. Do that this morning. Do that even now by asking Him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins. Maybe as I've talked to you today, you've thought of someone, someone you know is sitting at home right now. Maybe you thought you should invite them and you haven't for whatever reason. And God's mercy is there and He's calling you. Make that commitment. Make that commitment. Maybe maybe you're thinking, I really don't know who I can invite. Maybe you just pray, God, God, would you show me an open door? Show me an advantage. Show me an opportunity. Be surprised but a UPS driver might show up tomorrow and you have that chance. Let's live that life. Let's live that new life. Let's let people look at us and say, there is something different about them. Let's do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bow your heads. Let's pray, shall we? Lord, we thank You for the new life You have given us. You have come and You have saved us. You have called us out of darkness to Your marvelous light. Lord, You've not just saved us and taken us on to heaven even though to me that's the way I would have done it. That's what makes so much sense. You've left us here for a reason. The same mercy that was extended to us is now we have the opportunity to extend it towards someone else. Lord, I pray that we would. 
pray that we would make the most of the chance you've given us. God, I pray that when people come into contact with those of us from Faith Alive, they would say, those people really love God. They love each other. They're the kindest, most generous people I've ever met. They would look at us and they would say, there's something different about that person. I want what they have. Lord, may we share that love. May we reflect that love. May we share this hope. And Lord, it's easy for me to stand up here and wag my finger my brothers and sisters here. God, I know the truth. I mess up, get angry, I get short-tempered. Don't always treat my neighbor right and my friends right like I should. I thank you that you give me mercy. I pray you continue to extend that mercy towards me. That God, I would again be a sign, an exhibit of the great love of God in my life. Help us to live our lives for this world, to share, shine our light before men they may glorify 